Yo, I'm Kavan. Yo, I'm Rash. And welcome to the Before Our Friends Die podcast on the Aki and Saltfish Digital Network. This is the platform where we have the conversations we want to have before we leave this planet. With that in mind, let's go. Let's go. Hey, Rachel. Yo, yo, Kavan, what are you telling me? Brother, I'm good. It's always good to be back in your company and uh, talking about important things that matter to us before we leave this planet. Indeed. Um, Look, I think sometimes in life, bro, we can feel like we're stuck in a in a cycle, in a rut, and we can't get out of it. Yep. And um, I think sometimes the way out is taking a risk. 100%. 100%. The fear in taking that risk can be paralyzing, but sometimes the result of that risk can be liberating. Hey. So with that in mind, I want to introduce our brand new guest. <laughs> R.I.P. it is, by the way. Let <laughs> me um, turn that down. Uh, Shaban. Yo, yo. Come on, Shaban. Come on. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, yeah, thank you for coming on. You here. Um, look, I suppose it's, it's, it's worth being completely transparent. We know each other quite well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we lived together for a period of time in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 10 months, fair to say. Yes, about 10 months. Um... And uh, since then, we've kept in touch mm-hmm. and we've seen each other go on different journeys in terms of our career paths. We've again taken risks. But I wanted to start, um, not necessarily with the start of Shabang, but I wanted to give you a list of countries and I want you to tell me what your thoughts are on those countries, yeah? Okay. I'll give you the whole list. Brazil, Hong Kong, China, England, and I'm going to split England down into uh, Leeds, Manchester, Birmingham, that's all I can think of. <laughs> you know, what do all those places mean to you? What do they represent if you used to sum it up? Okay. Go so, ahead. starting with Brazil. Brazil, to me, stands for community. Because when I went to Brazil, it was clear that community and family is quite, well, are quite important things in the Brazilian, in the Brazilian culture. And even though I was an outsider, I was welcomed with such love. And yeah, um, Hong Kong. <laughs> oh, Hong Kong's a tough one. Hong Kong was the first time I had ever lived abroad. So Hong Kong for me stands for independence because being out there by myself it wasn't easy but it was worth it and I got to develop my personality a lot more through interactions with my housemates and my classmates and just navigating through like navigating within a different country living in a different country, paying bills in a different country. Mm. It, 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 was, it, it was crazy at the time, but it definitely gave me the tools I needed to survive in China. Go on. So China. China means two different things to me because the first time I went to China was in 2015. That was to do a summer school in Shanghai for Mandarin and that was my first time ever going abroad leaving England so imagine uh, I was about 19 at the time and 
got this amazing amazing opportunity the scholarship was paid like it was paid for and my first flight ever was going to be eight hours well a bit longer than that 11 11 hours and to a country like china as well mm. which you can attest to this caravan it's yeah, yeah. so different it's so different so that definitely sparked my lust for tra- travel because once i went to china i felt like I felt that I could go anywhere else in the world because, yeah, China's China. The second, the second thing, the the second thing, (laughs) the second thing it means to me is, wow, that year in China we spent together, man. (laughs) Ah, so much. I, the second time I went to China, just for context, I had just left university. What did you study? I studied politics and modern history. So I jumped on a plane, went to China again, Shenzhen. (laughs) And to me, I felt, I felt like that experience, what it meant to me, it was a transition period for me, definitely. I feel when I went to China, I had just recovered from like being depressed so you know i went there and it was a true test to how well i i have recovered because you know again it's out of my comfort zone Mm. and i had no support system out there and you know i'm so i'm so grateful to well i was truly blessed out there because i could have been put with the most horrible people <laughs> in the world. And I could have been employed by the most horrible school in the world, but I wasn't. I managed to live with you, Kavan. I was placed Aww. with you. Yeah. <laughs> <Governor> himself. <laughs> and, and the school I worked at was amazing. So, so you guys were at the same school as well? Or? Wasn't it the same branch? I think, yeah, I think they were probably the same, uh, I suppose we'd call it Academy Trust, but not um, the same school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a transition because it proved to me that I, you know, I am capable of doing a lot of stuff. So let's let's track it all back then. So you mentioned that Shanghai was your first venture outside of England. Yeah. Um, And and we'll get to the other locations within England shortly. But um, (laughs) what I want to do is sort of get into the chronological order of those countries yeah in which you attended them okay and then why you did it so shanghai first what was the motivations in shanghai take it you're 19 so you're in your second year of uni is that is that fair or first um i was in my first year of uni was that 2015 yes so your first year of uni Mm -hmm. and how do you hear about this opportunity my friend sarah well She's not my friend. She's more of a sister. I thought, oh, I, I, I thought it was going to be like, she's not my friend anymore. No, I was like, oh, she. Oh, she. Shout out to Sarah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she went the year before me. Yeah, okay. So she told me about it. And what did she say? She, she said that it's an opportunity to go to 
Shanghai. Well, I think she didn't go to Shanghai. She went to Beijing. I Boring. think. I think she did. Beijing. It wasn't. It wasn't Shanghai. It was some one, one of the cities. Mm. <laughs> and so she went there. She had an amazing time. This scholarship was with the British Council, and she just said, "Hey, you should you should apply." And at first, I was a bit apprehensive, you know, because, as I said previously, I hadn't travelled outside of the UK. But what made me do it was, ooh, what made me? I'm trying to trying to think about what I was like at age nineteen. Sometimes I just do things because it sounds cool, and I know that sounds really immature. But sometimes I'm like, ah,、eh, let me just let me just try. When you say it sounds cool, what sounds cool to you sounds cool. Sounds cool to me. I thought, oh, China, I'll try. But I usually do things without thinking that. I would be accepted, so I wasn't. I wasn't thinking I'd be accepted because my friend Sarah, my sister Sarah, she she was an academic goddess. You know,、mm-hmm. she had tons of internships on her belt, and this was just another one. Yeah, another one. Another one. So,、um, really enough with Shanghai, actually, a part of me, my mind was. I always say that. A part of me was preparing for it, so even though the conscious part of me was like maybe I probably won't get in,、yeah. the other side was preparing in terms of even before I had applied. As soon as Sarah said, "Oh, you should apply," I just started saving randomly, you know, because I did have to cover my own flights. <laughs> What was that? When you say preparing as well, is it just saving or is it mentally visualizing it what's going to be like? It was just saving because I, th- looking back, I think deep down I knew that I'd get it, but I just didn't want to believe I'd get it. Okay. I know that sounds a bit. Why do you think that、weird. is? A confidence thing, but I think it was. I think it was a, a bit of intuition,、mm. playing that it's like you just just prepare for it, just 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 prepare just in case, and you know it came through. Well, actually. I was put on the waiting list,、okay. and then、uh, about two weeks later, they emailed me and said someone dropped out. There's a free space. I was like, okay, yeah, great, great. So luckily, again, I say I had saved like months before. I had the money for the plane ticket, <laughs> and a little bit of spending money. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you go to Shanghai.、Mm-hmm. Is there a sense of relief, like yes, I did it? Is there a sense of apprehension, like what the hell have I got myself into? This is the first place you've you've, you've been, other than England. So what are the thoughts going through your mind when you get off that plane into Hong Kong Airport? I'm guessing, or was it Shanghai?、Airport? It was Shanghai. Yeah, it was、sense. Shanghai. My layover was in Amsterdam. Oh yeah, you were able to relax then. <laughs> She forgot about the whole flight. <laughs> it was it was a short layover. I had to stay in the airport. But、um, my, my my feelings of apprehension. I, I didn't have any. The thing is about me is I tend to delay negative feelings until after a situation has happened,、right. or like a, a couple of weeks later. So my focus was just getting there, and navigating to the hotel, and ha- grappling with the currency.、Mm. You mean 
Literal currency. Literal currency. Right. Because I didn't understand how the currency worked. Mm. I went to McDonald's and gave the cashier, for instance, the equivalent to five, uh, like 5p. But I saw it was a note. I can't remember the note. That's just bad. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna order a burger. Like, come here. <laughs> <laughs> the cashier, the cashier, literally just looked at um, their coworker and just started laughing and tried to communicate to me in Chinese that, yeah, that, that's not the note. <laughs> we don't want that note. <laughs> we are. I think about that. About yeah. that. It's. It's. Um. I think it's. Uh, what is it? Is it called Mao? You never know dead. Kevin, you know that dead note? I don't know if... Mate, I just spent money. You just spent money. Is it pink? Is it red? Is it green? Is it blue? Do they have coins? They, they have, have they have coins. So it's the really so it's the really tiny coins, Kevin, but they sometimes come in notes. Yeah, okay. That's that's a, that's a, that's a confused yeah. currency though, isn't it? It is it yeah, is it is Wei Xin, Wei Xin Ma. So Wei Xin Ma is like WeChat? Can Do I pay on WeChat? Oh, um, that's And the mayor was like, I don't have, I don't have. I don't have, I don't have. Oh, yeah, sorry, I felt like I went on a tangent. Um, no, it's all right. So what I, what I want to ask you as well, though, is, so you, you said, you know, you're grappling with paying bills, you're grappling with the currency. Yeah. The initial apprehension was to do with confidence. So every time you're there and every time you're getting these things, granted, you paid the guy 5p when you should pay the <laughs> Every time you're going through it, are you, are you building on that confidence? Is that something that you're, you're thinking about or is, is it just you're taking each day as it comes? I'm taking each day as it comes. I don't really notice the confidence, like my confidence increasing until I'm put in that position another time. So Let's talk about that. So what was the next time? So the next time would be Hong Kong. Okay. So um, Hong Kong, funny story about Hong Kong actually. Again, I should have researched the climate for Hong Kong. I didn't. I packed some jumpers. I, I basically didn't have... Actually, no, I didn't pack jumpers. That's a lie. I packed the opposite because I thought it was a warm country. I'm sitting here they're still thinking it's a warm country. No, in January, it's freezing. Is it? It's freezing. It feels freezing, even though it's warmer you know, temperature-wise mm-hmm. yeah. than mm-hmm. um, England at that time. But it's just, it's like the sea breeze almost. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, kind of yeah. catches you. So, yeah, I went there without a coat. I didn't really pack. I didn't pack properly at all. I packed as if I was going there for two weeks. <laughs> I went there and literally within a week, I realised, oh, no. What were you there for? Pun? What were you there for? Uh, Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, I studied at the University of Hong Kong for semester abroad. That's that's a risk. Yeah, it was a it was a risk. How did you navigate that? Um, Wait, why is it a risk? Well, studying abroad again, you're on your own. You got no support network. Um, I think Hong it's Kong cool. Well, I think you have like. Well, I was gonna say, I, was, I can swear, like, we're all big balls to do that. Yeah. I couldn't be able to do it. I, at 19, that's, that's I feel like I was young. Bro, uh, I don't think I could do that. I didn't, I had the opportunity to go to Sweden for, for again a semester during my second year. Yeah. Uh, didn't go, but with it. Oh. And I was gonna do a placement uh, during uni, and I didn't do it. So, what I'm asking you is, you know, what's going through your head? How are you navigating this? Because I've noticed throughout your journey and all, th- all these things you do, it's risks. 
Yeah. But they pay off. Yeah. They're valuable. They're worth it. Yeah. But they're still scary. So yeah. how, how do you deal with that? How do I do it? Did you say yes and say, oh, fuck it. Fuck it, let's just do it. Basically. <laughs> That's a good mindset to have. No, I did say yes and just, just do it. I had nothing to lose. I think in all of these situations that I've taken big risks, I've had nothing to lose at all. And everything to gain. And everything to gain. You know, yeah. if China, my, my time in Shanghai, for instance, if that fell through, I had like £1,500 in the bank. Mm. You know? With Hong Kong, if that fell through, because with the Hong Kong visa, you have to um, show that you have, back then, I think it was about at least £3,000 in your account mm. before you could get the visa. So I, I saved like crazy for that. I still can't believe to this day that well, I managed... Just to show 3K in your uh, balance yeah, your visa. Yeah. Yeah. crazy. Yeah, to get a student visa just to show that you're able to support yourself. Mm. And even though I, I could show that student finance will, you know, g- give me money, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, was, that, wasn't, that, that wasn't enough. So, mm. yeah. So, um, on that, with Hong Kong, mm-hmm. you're studying now. You're not just there for to, to learn a language and sort of get by yeah what's it like studying in hong kong well the lucky thing about hong kong is that uh, the country draws a lot from the uk still yeah being a former colony makes sense. yeah so even the road signs yeah and stuff so i'm not saying that it looks identical to you know like london or i think it looks very london Oh, yeah. The underground, the buses, the road signs. Road signs, yeah. yeah. So. Road signs. I'm thinking more of the outskirts of um, Hong Kong Island. I'm a city boy. Like Cal- really. Yeah, like, a Cal- <laughs> like Kowloon and city those areas. <laughs> those areas outside of Hong Kong Island, they they, they don't look... Shout out Hong Kong as well, just, just personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> yeah they, they, they don't look as british as mm. other places it looks like a blend mm. more like um, so studying there was it because it's so linked to england it was you know not really out of the ordinary for you. it wasn't it wasn't out of the ordinary okay no so let's fast forward to the last place you visited china china <laughs> that comes to an end we both leave at pretty much the same time yeah well there's a whole story about how we got to china and and living in a hotel for three months and uh, whatever else. But that's probably a story for another day to most <laughs> of you. But we leave China now. Mm-hmm. What's going through your head at this period of time? Because you've done, you know, however many years on the balance of travelling, being yeah. here, being there. Yeah. And I think we both pretty much agreed that, okay, now it's time to start real life. Yeah. What are the thoughts going through your mind? What's the next step for you? So the next step was initially to return to university to do my master's in in global urban planning and development. In order to achieve? Well, in order to try and get a job. Because I realised that my undergraduate degree wasn't sufficient enough. So I wanted to get a... I wanted to get a degree that would enable me to get a better paying job potentially, and I thought planning like that that sector would. Your degree was in politics and was it modern modern history? history yeah. Why wasn't Why wasn't it uh, sufficient for a role or? It, well, 
What type of job were you looking for? So I wanted, also, I did want to do development. I did want to, I did want to work in that sector. Mm-hmm. However, with development, there's a lot of, um, you need to have experience. Mm. And I hate that word. That's, and what's worse mm-hmm. is a lot of that experience mm-hmm. is often unpaid. Standard. And, and they get you. Quick question. Yeah. Who benefits from a requirement being experienced, most of which is unpaid? Well, the, com- well, the company or the charity. The company, but also yeah. there's, you know, those who are from higher income backgrounds. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So those. Benefit as well, yeah, yeah. So also, I'd like to add that I'm from a low income background as well. So a lot of these endeavors, I didn't have the financial support of my yeah. family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, with development, I realized, oh, Okay, I can't afford. <laughs> I can't afford to do this career. Um, so I, you know, which is mad, by the way. It's mad. It's mad. It is crazy. It is. It is heartbreaking. Imagine how many people they miss out on that could do a really good job. You know, it's an industry where okay, now you're not going to have much diversity in people, but also not much diversity in thought, mm-hmm. etc. And that's really you know mm. damaging. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also issues in development in terms of bureaucracy and stuff like that. But you know, that's another. So you were trying to get in anyway by by this masters. So I was trying to get in, but I was kind of yeah. So I thought, let me do urban planning Mm. because you know I was interested in um, spatial inequality. What does that mean? So that means. Basically, you know how you can have one area of um, like a city that has a lot of infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, that, that has doc that's close to loads of doctors or even supermarkets and stuff mm-hmm. and has excellent transport links. And then you've got another part of the city that doesn't have that, you know, and that's quite that's that's even more prominent in developing countries you know favelas etc yeah yeah areas like that but it is also common in england yeah especially in the major cities Mm. so i wanted to get into planning as a way to investigate that and contribute to decreasing that inequality so and it was also a safer way of making money in my mind you know it was a safe career path however with planning again you've got the experience you know you don't have experience then it's hard to get your foot in the door and everyone that was willing to give you experience was unpaid pretty much yeah and even even getting experience because I entered planning so late in the game, yeah. even getting experience was hard because I didn't have experience in the first place. So imagine mm. getting, you need experience to get experience, almost. The whole, oh, that experience to get experience is crazy. Yeah. The whole concept on that. Yeah, so very quickly within my master's degree, I realised, oh, okay. You know, I fell into that trap of, experience so how is that making you feel while you're completing this degree does it feel futile does it feel like it's going to get you nowhere how is the the masters is it challenging is it easy so the masters was very interesting (laughs) the 
and I mean genuinely interesting right. like <laughs> not like <laughs> mm-hmm. it was interesting because I learned how I learned I've le- I learned how countries so just to break it down so there was the planning side which focused on the UK right yeah. and the UK planning system and then there was the development side that focused on um, planning in the de- in the developing world, mm. community planning at that. So what I found really interesting was how communities, without support from the local governments, were able to build infrastructure such as um, flood defense walls with tires and. Just, just different stuff in order to cope with the poverty that they're they, resourceful. Yeah, they're resourceful. Mm. Yeah. So that 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 was really that part of it was really interesting. The planning system in the UK, that, that was I can't tell you anything about that mm. to this day. It's, it's boring. <laughs> but that's just just seeing how you know communities that are poor how they come together and how they use the resources they have to better the improve to better their community it was it was really inspiring and it totally demolished my concept of um the developing world as being hopeless mm. almost mm. you know because they're not they do they do survive they do what they have to do you know and they they are resourceful they are talented you know, it, they've built their own economies without the need of backing from their government, from mm. their central local government, even in the face of, um, what's the word? Uh, even, the face, in the, even in the face of hostility from the police, they've still managed to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> so one thing that struck me when you were talking about the masters, you're talking about safety of income. Yeah. And if you go in a career like this, it, it creates safety for you. And yeah. First question is, um, is that something you've looked for or you've hoped for throughout your life? It is definitely something that I've hoped for throughout my life. Um, my my childhood, mm. um, we didn't have much money. Mm. And thus financial insecurity was a big shadow in my life. And I always wanted to make enough money so that, you know, I don't have to worry about food on the table or having a roof over my head. So I wasn't really thinking of becoming rich. I just wanted security. Yeah. So I definitely understand the financial safety aspect of what you're saying. But I think you always have a bit of a risk itch to scratch. Yes, yes. So I, I see a little contradiction <laughs> yeah, in there is, seeking safety and then we end up where we are now. Yeah, there is Let's a big, there is, there is a big, um, there's a big, there is a big contradiction and often, oftentimes it's come to a head. Oftentimes I'm paralysed from making a decision because of its financial implications. Mm. But, you know, once I rationalise that if it fails, I'm still going to be left with nothing. I have nothing. I'm yeah. still going to be left with nothing. It's like, you know, as we said earlier, effort. it. So it's like a deal or no deal. It's like deal or no deal, basically. You, you will say, the bank will call up and say, 
I give you 100 grand for that box. You say, nah, I've got 1p and 250 grand left. I don't want 100 grand. I'm going to keep my box. Because I came here with nothing. I can either leave here with 1p or I can leave here with a quarter of a mil. You, you wouldn't take 100 grand, would you? Ooh. 100 grand's a lot of money, though. Yeah, yeah, that, that, deal or no deal? That's a tank of petrol nowadays. <laughs> Would you risk it? I, ooh. I don't know, man. It depends on the... Mm. I, like, to be honest, I'd probably take 100 I'm taking 100k. <laughs> to, to be honest, in that situation, I would probably take the 100k. Um, Shaban, I disagree, because how you do anything is how you do everything. I don't think you take the 100k. I think I would take... No, I think I would. I mm. think I would. Mm. If you put money in my in front of me... You know, 100k, and I have responsibilities, especially. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. (laughs) But yeah, all right. So, give us the picture. What's your life like while you're doing this masters? Yeah, are you? You you know, you've just done a few years abroad. Are you this cultured, confident lady who's strutting (laughs) her stuff and living in a mansion? So it was. It was during COVID. Okay. So COVID hit in 2020. And what does that do to you as a human being? Well. I lost my job, so there was a lot of financial insecurity. Mm. Luckily, I managed to get another one quite soon, working at Tesco. We know Tesco quite well in this podcast. (laughs) Shout out Tesco. (laughs) You know, they basically, yeah, because I'm going to be quite honest, that uh, that initiative they did during COVID, employing me extra staff, it, it saved my life. It, it, it genuinely did <laughs> shout out to Tesco it, it genuinely did because I don't think I well I couldn't have stayed in Manchester first of all and second of all well, I wouldn't be able I wouldn't have been able to eat <laughs> so yeah yeah that that was a blessing so let's track this back there because you just mentioned Manchester now we're going to get back to these cities within England yeah. so you were you live on or born in, in Warsaw right yes that's fair to say um, you're in Manchester for your degrees, yes. both your undergrad and your postgrad. That's correct. And then we'll get to the other one later. So yeah, yeah carry on. So, oh, about so you're saying you're in Manchester, you're working in Tesco, yeah, you're doing in, this masters. Yeah, I'm in Manchester doing this masters. It was really hard because I was focused on working a lot of hours in Tesco so that I could build up an emergency fund just in case more stuff happens. COVID-20. COVID-20. Mm. Because it was such an uncertain time. Mm. And I knew that I, I didn't have the finances behind me, you know, to buffer that. So I was just there saving, saving. So I had to, um, with my master's, you know, that was no longer priority for me. So what I did with my master's was initially I just delayed my assignment due dates and stuff you know sent in the mitigating circumstances form and it's like give me more time (laughs) and they're like yeah sure we give you I think they give me an extra month or something or two months I can't remember um but then it you know just COVID and stuff it just took a toll on my mental health and I ended up taking a pause from my master's in 2021 so when you say it took a toll on your mental health, how are you feeling? It was, well, I began to feel demotivated from my course. It, it was still interesting, but, you know, a part of me was there like, oh, you know, what's, what's, 
There's bigger fish to fry at this point in your brain. Yeah, there's bigger fish. There's bigger fish to to fry. I got to get this money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what's gonna happen the next, you know, couple of months, the mm. next day. Mm. I just gotta get this money. I feel like it lasted for like two years, didn't it? It last. Yeah. Yeah. That was, COVID period was crazy. It was crazy. It 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 was it was. But I'm so grateful that you know. It, I have to be careful how I say this because I know that people have lost a lot of their loved ones. Mm. People have lost, you know, their mobility down to COVID. But I think that was where I experienced my most my most growth. I think during COVID was the time where I grew into a woman, <laughs> if you understand. What was that growth? I don't, I don't understand. I know. <laughs> so, you know, like from a child to... So, so when I returned from China... And went straight into university. You're, I was still in a bubble, in a sense, what right? Bubble? bubble of security in terms of I was very. I saw education. I saw university as a comfort blanket. Mm, mm. I a lot of people do as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, in some ways, um, there's. You still have responsibility as a university student, but you're not out in the real world. But COVID forced me to prioritise the real world over the academic world, you know? So, you know, focusing on, you know, just trying to accumulate money, having real issues above my head, you know, it forced me to grow up in a sense. So that, that period of COVID forced me to, yeah, grow up, basically. So being forced to grow up and seeing the academic world as different to the, the real world, mm-hmm. what does that make you, what are your reflections now on your master's? Like, does it hold the same importance that it did at the start? No. Right. No, I feel like, I do regret, well, I don't feel like, I do regret taking my master's, but then, I know for a fact that if I hadn't have taken my master's, I wouldn't be where I am today. So let's get to where you are today. <laughs> I, I, need a, I need an award for all these segues, by the way. Um, let's get to where you are today. All right. Shaban, we have a call. It might be a series of messages and then a call. Yeah. Basically, I've seen this opportunity. I think I should take it. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. How do you see it? Where do you see it? What do you see? Let's go. All right. So, when was it? August or September? So this is after all the degree. You got your masters. I I actually actually didn't get my masters. You you didn't. This this is this is this is gonna be an it's gonna be an interesting story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sit up. Sit up. Sit up. (laughs) So, oh, are you gonna play a sound? Right, okay, so this, during my um, time off uni, Mm -hmm. because I, you know, took a break, deferred deferred a year. Is this 2021? Yes, 2021. So um, I'm going to say September 2021. Mm -hmm. September 2021, um, it was a random, it was a random night. I had had insomnia. Mm -hmm. And I was just on the internet. Oh, wait, yeah. Oh, I should probably go back a bit. I'll, I will go back a bit later, actually. But anyway, I'll, as in, I'll explain what's led me to where I am. 
but this is the immediate opportunity. And yeah, so right, night. It's a night of insomnia. I'm just scrolling down. Um, previous to that, to occupy my mind, I started coding. Well, teaching myself how to code. Program. Wait, how did you get gap, there? There's a gap there. No, like. no, you can't just go there. There is something that triggered that. <laughs> okay, okay. So, okay, we're we're reversing back in time. All right. So, okay. Before the opportunity, mm. right? Let's start there. Before the opportunity, I was thinking about doing my dissertation, even though well, start planning for my dissertation, even though I was currently on a break from uni because I only had, well, I had my dissertation and two other modules left to do when I took my break. So one of my dissertation ideas was to see if there was a correlation between access to green spaces. So that's like parks, more parks, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> green areas <laughs> um, to um, low income areas mm-hmm. and one of the ways that can be graphed is using a software called ArcGIS ArcGIS is a software that basically makes those beautiful coloured maps you see on the news with for instance with Covid um, the maps would show the hotspots mm. in, in different colours. So, yeah. And one of, the, one of the features of ArcGIS is that you could automate, well, you can automate a lot of its data processing with Python. Okay. I've heard a, about Python. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which is a programming language. Yeah. So I decided to teach myself Python for that purpose to um, be able to do that. <laughs> thank you, thank right, you. That's not easy. <laughs> so to be able to do that for my dissertation. To be honest, I was taking baby steps. I had no idea what I was doing. How did you teach yourself? YouTube videos, apps? So I taught myself through books. I so there are two. You're in old school. <laughs> you're in old there's a school. lot. There, there's a lot of resources online. Yeah. Uh, a lot of amazing resources. But what I found useful were two books. So the first one was Learn Python the Hard Way, Hard Way by Zed Shaw, that got me acquainted with the syntax of Python, like how it's written. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was Python Crash Course, which I forgive me, I've forgotten the author which guided you through the basic functionality of Python, what you can do, what you can do with it. So I was doing that, and to be honest, I was going very slowly. (laughs) So fast forward to September 2021. Again, I'm in my bed. It's like 7 a.m., hadn't slept all night, just just because, you know, insomnia. Just scrolling through... um, I did, I, I did have in the back of my mind the idea of pursuing programming, like software engineering, as a possible career path. But I still was in the mindset of, oh, I have to complete my master's at that stage. So 
I came across a boot camp called the School of Code. The School of Code is a boot camp that offers 16, 20 weeks free training. Oh, to it be- free? It's yeah. free, yeah, oh, to become, cool. you know, a full stack developer. And I'll get into what that means a bit later. <laughs> and I saw the opportunity and I thought, eh, why not? When I applied, I just wanted to see whether or not I'd make it to the interview stage. Because again, you, you, don't, you don't ever think you do, you will. Yeah, exactly. So I thought, uh, if I get to the interview stage and I fail, that's not, that's not a big deal because, you know, I'm not expecting to succeed anyway. And I would have gained experience in, you know, interviews and stuff. Is that some sort of coping mechanism, do you think? It is a coping mechanism. I don't like to keep, I don't like to um, put my hopes up. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't like to do that because I, I don't want to be disappointed. So I always lower my expectations right to the ground, even though, you know, it, to another person, it looks like, oh, it, it's, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to go, through, it's going to work. It's going to happen. I'm like, yeah, no, 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 it's not, that's not. <laughs> So how did the interview go? The interview, <laughs> I thought I flunked the interview. So funny story, actually, another funny story. The guy who was interviewing me, we went to the same school in Warsaw. Okay. Not only that, we knew the same people. Uh, you got the job. <laughs> yeah, that's what it <laughs> and, was. <laughs> and he was in the year below me. So funnily enough, I remembered all his friends but him. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I remember you, bro. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't remember each other. But okay. uh, when I said uh, where I was from, which was Warsaw, he's like, oh, I, went, "I went to Warsaw. Which school?" I was like, "Oh, you know, Queen Mary's Grammar." I was like, "Oh, I went there. What year?" Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? So yeah, that was crazy. I think that was one of the moments where my intuition, even though my brain was like, "You, you know, we're not going to get this," my intuition was like. You've, you've probably got this in the so, back. So just to be clear, your, your, your mind was telling you no, but your body was telling you yes? Uh, oh, uh, if you didn't know what you didn't do. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> cancel him. Let's, let's move on. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, but, but yeah, the, <laughs> that's funny. But um, yeah, um, the interview, I thought, despite that, um, it went a bit left because the interviewer asked me a question and they asked me a logical, one of those logical questions. Okay. So logical reasoning questions, but they, they said it to me verbally. They didn't have the question on the screen. Do you understand? Yeah, what was the question? Don't worry if you haven't, it's fine, we can move on. The question, I can remember. I'll tell you what, should we do it for the bonus episode? We'll find one. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm just uh, there's so many. One comes up about McDonald's. <laughs> is it one of them like scenario ones? What was yeah, it's a scenario. It? Well, it's no, it was more like uh, if um, I don't know if Lucy was on the train at two p.m. but yeah. it was delayed by forty minutes, and then her boyfriend went I don't know to Canterbury. When did Bob <laughs> catch the flight to? Vegas. I, I don't know. <laughs> so 
you know, yeah. some not not, asking, not like not like that. Like those type of questions where you're like, wait, what? But when you piece things together, yeah, yeah, you've got to piece things together, basically. Um, I haven't passed any of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's an extreme example. It doesn't make any sense coming from me, but you know, <laughs> it had all the components to make sense. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was quite one of the questions, and because logical reasoning I felt wasn't my forte I kind of buckled a bit I was like uh uh and I I also hadn't prepared for that type of question so I was like oh crap I'm not prepared I did answer it the best I could well answered them rather and then in October that's when I received the news that I was accepted. Oui. So first of all, well done. That's huge. Amazing. Yeah, the School you. of Code, becoming a member of that is, is, yeah. is big news. Shout out to School of Code as well. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate them as always. What, what's the um, what's the implications of being in the School of Code? What does that mean for, your, for the other elements of your life? What do you have to do in order to participate fully in the School of Code? So, oh, which one should I start with? Because the School of Code was a full-time boot camp, I had to reduce my hours at Tesco. Mm. From what to what? From so I was doing about twenty four because things had calmed down financially so I could just you know do part time hours. So I reduced it from twenty four to twelve. Luckily, because again I'd be you know, as I said previously, I was just you know, I was saving in case of a financial emergency. I had enough of an emergency fund to fund me, like, to subsidise my payslip, rather. So I would still be getting a similar income, even though, I'm wor- wor- even though I was working t- for 12 hours. Um, so, yeah, I took, I, took the hour, I took the cut of hours, and I started the School of Code. However, I quickly realised that I, in order to survive mentally, because, you know, doing any form of boot camp is stressful, but a coding boot camp, you're learning three, three, four years worth of stuff in a matter of months. Mm. So you're moving at such a fast pace. So I was mentally exhausted Mm. throughout my time there, but especially when I was working. So... You think 12 hours is nothing. Four hours on Thursday, eight hours on the Sunday. So, you know, it's normal people who's, who have who have not experienced being in a coding boot camp. They'd be like, ah, that's easy. And I know certain members of cer- certain boot campers did do that. Certain boot campers still worked. But I couldn't do it because I realized that I would be coming exhausted to my my lessons at the boot camp. And it just wasn't working. So to be clear, you quit your masters as well, right? Yeah. So the master, yeah, I quit my masters. So what happened with my masters was because I had already deferred a year, I couldn't. I wasn't able to defer another year. Mm. So I was told. Well, I wasn't really told, but it was obvious that there was a decision to make. Either I stop the school of code, no longer pursue that opportunity, um, you know, to finish my master's and then reapply the next year, or I just 
drop my masters and go full steam ahead with the boot camp. So I want to set the scene. You've quit your masters. I've quit my masters. The reason yeah. you're in Manchester. Mm-hmm. The bills are still there. The bills are still there. You quit the twelve hours at Tesco because mm-hmm. this is too difficult to cope. Yeah. And you go ahead with the school of code. Mm-hmm. That's a massive risk. Yeah. It's a massive risk. Yeah. And you do it. <laughs> What's the boot camp like? The boot camp is like a fire hydrant being broken. Like a fire hydrant of information being smashed and directed at you. Like just, you're just drowning, drowning, drowning in information. You also have to learn how to think differently because in when you program there's a way that you have to think you have to you know because a computer is dumb that's what you learn very quickly so you have to literally code for every single thing if you want if you want a for instance and we take this for granted as normal people mm-hmm. for instance you know when you go onto Google, right? Mm. And you type, yeah. you, I don't know, um, you type something to search. You pre- <laughs> yeah. And you press enter, you have to code. Like the person who's developing that search engine will have to code for the, for the search engine to work when the user presses enter. It's not something that the computer automatically knows. Mm. If you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you literally, there's been times where I've, you know, done some projects and I'm like, oh, why doesn't, you know, why doesn't the computer know what I want it to do? I, but it turns out that I haven't written the code for you it to do the, that. You haven't told the computer. Yeah. Basically. So how long is it taking for those sorts of principles to embed in you? It's still, still, still an ongoing process. Yeah. Because it's so natural just to think that, you know, a computer knows everything. Like it's de- it's basically it's basically a dead weight mm-hmm. if you think about it. It's it's just if you don't if if you don't code for it, it won't do it. That's mad. <laughs> Biggest challenge of the boot camp. Biggest challenge of the boot camp. that's a great question keeping up with the curriculum in my own time because with a boot camp you do have to allocate at least an hour after sessions to reviewing the content Mm -hmm. but because the sessions were so intense I personally was often quite tired afterwards it's exhausted Mm -hmm. so I was a bit well not laps. I did try. I did try, but that that was hard. I think that's com- that's a common um, struggle with most boot campers, though, keeping up with the curriculum because you feel like you're not making as much progress as you should. But at the same time, especially with my boot camp with the School of Code, they really emphasised that what we are learning right now it's okay if we don't get it right now because we will get it in time we will get it once we get into our jobs yeah you know because the position we were aiming for you know that was 
junior, entry-level software engineer, not mid-level, not senior, mm. and junior software engineers that come into the game. Um, organizations, companies already know that they're not going to know anything. Almost, you know? So it was just at least being, you know, at least being able to code something, you know, no matter how terrible it looked. That was kind of, that was kind of the goal in terms of with the boot camp, you know, just getting us used to the concepts around programming and stuff. Because, yeah, you, I'm going to be honest, those, those YouTube videos that you see set that promote oh you can learn to code in three months that's cap that's cap straight up cap i was saying the same thing i was like <laughs> you see so many adverts like oh join us and you can learn how to code in 100k a year no 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 it's a process man it's a it's it's, it's a process uh, and i think it's like any other job obviously you can learn so much but once you're in the field you're always going to learn and develop your skills aren't you yeah yeah and also you know there's so many technologies out there you're always constantly learning and everything's changing all the time isn't Every, it? yes yes everything's changing so don't don't believe anyone that says you can learn to code in three months you you can, guys. yeah because i see some um tiktok videos of a guy he's been coding for 10 years mm-hmm. he goes he still google stuff to yes. find like oh this code or yes. how to do this yes because yes you're you not need. you're not expected to remember every single thing you know, you're not expected to re- remember every single... Um, this is a whole different text. language, isn't it? It's a whole different language. But in order to become a successful programmer, you need to understand the concepts behind why, for instance, a certain piece of software or like certain feature is written in a certain way, if you kind of catch my drift. Yeah, I guess what, whatever the end project is, you need the beginning, the little middle bit, and then the end, I guess. Is that how it works or...? Yeah, but when I mean concepts, I mean concepts such as, let me think of a very easy one. Let me think of a very easy one for you. Concepts such as conditionals. So conditionals. If statements. If statements, yes. Someone's a coder, you know. Hey, come on. Excel on that. how you would use those so yeah you can write them right you you can write them if the user doesn't um select the correct uh i don't know button Mm. and tell them to select the right button Mm. you know but then that can be applied to different situations you know it's sometimes the problems you are given as a programmer are not clear-cut so the concepts you learn with the tools you learn, you use them to solve the problem. If you understand what I mean. Mm. So I want to rewind a quick sec. You mentioned about how the boot camp is intense and it's you yeah. know if it's intense for you, I'm gonna take it as intense for everyone. Yeah. Is there anything within the boot camp? Because it's a virtual boot camp as well to be yeah, fair. So you're, not, you're not anywhere, yeah. you're, not, you're not there's no oh, it's not in a classroom. No, no, you're not no. in a classroom, there's no collegiateness between any of you, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that laptop closes, it's like, yeah, stress. Yeah. So is there anything within that boot camp, within the school of code, that supports you yes, through what is yes, inevitably yes, a yes, journey? Yes, yes, yes. And I'm glad we've 
I love the school local, man. Yes, there is. They they had um they had an amazing mentorship program also where people from the industry volunteer their time to yeah to mentor as boot campers once a week for an hour more needs be um i was incredibly blessed with two mentors so the first mentor she was assigned to me automatically and funnily enough I had seen her because she went to the school of code before me, like a couple of years before me. And when I was researching the school of code, I saw her video. And I thought to myself, oh, if I get in, I'd like, you know, I'd want to be like her because <laughs> she works in um, security. So I was like, oh, you know, I want to be like her. And then when I get into the boot camp and I start, I'm assigned her as she's assigned to me as my mentor. Shout out to Manu. Okay. We got Manu. <laughs> Honestly, she's such a lovely woman. Um, yeah, she was phenomenal because she would create little workshops for me Sweet. to uh, in order to go through stuff that I didn't understand. She also managed to get me into Sky for a day. Sky's studios in london so i I shadowed her for a day and shout out to sky as well (laughs) uh so i'm really grateful for that she didn't need to do this did she she didn't she went above she went above and beyond she genuinely did i love people like that shout out sky if you want to sponsor (laughs) i feel like she did it because she was in the same position as you one day and there probably wasn't someone like that to help her and she probably thought you know i need to give back in it I, like, yeah. I really like people like that. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's she's lovely. She's lovely. I appreciate it. Where's her. she from? Really? She's from Brazil. Right. <laughs> so did you say something? I don't know how you say hello in Brazil. Uh, oh, it's. Uh, I only know Bom Dia, which is like good morning or good day. So is that what you, oh. you open the email? Bomb DM. No, that's cringe. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's cringe. That's cringe. Oh my god. No, 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 no. no. Oh, Did you bond eventually with Brazil? That's just interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. We we bonded. That was when we first met, and I said, oh, I went to Brazil. She was like. <gasps> <laughs> so, so how important are the mentors very 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 sorry very they, they were very important her and my other mentor well i adopted him as my mentor nadim so um Shout they, out to Nadim as well. Yeah, shout 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 out to yeah, him. Shout out to Nadim, man. If you like, didn't get no love, man. <laughs> shout, shout, shout out to him. Shout, he wasn't even my mentor. He was my um, friend Craig, who was also in the boot camp. He was his mentor. And he has been mentoring for the School of Code for a long time. I think from around about the start. Mm. Could be wrong. (laughs) And yeah, he helped my team during Project Week, which was when we were given um, a problem and we had to develop a full stack web application for it in four weeks. Um, I don't know what full stack is. Yeah, full Full stack. stack. Okay, so full stack. So thank you. So full stack means well, you've got you've got different types of software engineers and developers. Mm-hmm. You've got ones who work on the front end. So the front end is what you the user see 
when you go onto the website. Facebook login page. Yeah, or yeah, the user interface. Mm. Okay. So whether it's a website or if you go onto, I don't know, Word, that, that's what you see, mm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Backend deals with the... It's behind the scenes. So, for instance, you log into the, you log into Twitter, mm. you press enter. The back end deals with basically processing that information that you've put into Twitter, matching it up with the records they have of you, the records of Twitter that the the, the information that Twitter has on you, matching that up. And oh, what, did you want to say anything? No, I'm just gonna say if you're interested in Twitter. Aki and Saltfish on Twitter or Aki and Saltfish on Instagram at Before Our Friends yeah. Pod on Instagram. Make sure you check us out. Give us a follow. And also, if you're enjoying the podcast and you've got any questions for Shaban or any of our other guests or even <laughs> us, please do email Aki and Saltfish at gmail.com and we can uh, get, get those questions across and answer them live on our pod. So, Shaban, carry on. Thank you. That, that just made me laugh. That reminds, have you ever seen that video of... Uh, Sniper out on all digital <laughs> platforms. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Um, what's his name? Funny guy. Ah, Castillo. Castillo, yeah. yeah. Imagine he was doing a, po- a pod, yeah, and then randomly, obviously, he's a rapper, isn't he? He'd be like, she'd, like the question would be like, oh, yeah, how you been doing today? He'd be like, yeah, it was a good day, blah, blah. Platform, and then he'd just promote his song every five minutes. That's oh, funny. Sniper out on all digital platforms. As I was saying, at the back end, it just processes the information that you put into the user fa- interface and also deals with the requests you send to the database so if you want to look at i don't know um beyonce's twitter profile Mm. you know the back end will process that information and send to you like send to your like computer you know her page you know with her photos and did I say Twitter or Instagram? Same difference. Yeah. You know, that information. So that's basically it. And then the full stack, full stack, a full stack developer does both. Front end and back end. Front end and back end. Right. right. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> in my head, full stack relates to bodybuilding. Ah. And a stack is all the drugs that the bodybuilders take <laughs> to get hench. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how different industries have similar language, but mm-hmm. obviously they mean completely different Is that things. the highest position you can be then, a full stacker? Or is that... It's not a. I wouldn't say it's a position per se. It's just a type of developer. Um, the Is that what you are? I am trained to be full stack. In my job, I'm trying to pivot into back end. Pivot, you know. Then language is trying, <laughs> trying to trying to pivot into back end engineering. Although it is advised when you start off that you should. Be open to anything. So be open to front-end work and be open to back-end work and, you know, other, other little stuff. But, I, yeah, no, it's fun. I want to be a back-end engineer. Come on, it's bad jokes. He's looking at me. You're disgusting. <laughs> I'm looking at me. I have it? no jokes. Yeah. But what I'm saying, full stackers make peas, bro. Yeah, I'm Do you know why? They, um, I've done a few accounts for these uh, contractors um, who are in all these IT... Mm-hmm. Uh, Good day rate, mate. Let's talk. Like, I'm saying like five, six bills a day. Bro, I was could at, be more. I was at work the other day, yeah? Yeah. And um, this guy came in to do a talk and three talks. Mm. Says my colleague, because you employed him, how much did you pay him for the day? About £500? Mad. I, thought, bro, I could do that. I could do everything he did. I could do it. Mm. <laughs> Probably was, better as well. Nah, <laughs> I'm not going to throw him into the restaurant. Right? Yeah. I could do that. So, 
don't be surprised if, if Rachel goes into full stack developing. And I go hey, you see me at school of uh, code tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I really appreciate your, your insight into the school of code, Shaban. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to delve into you a little bit more and how you link up with the school of code. So are there any qualities within you that you feel make you adapt or adept, sorry, I should say, for coding? Eagerness to learn. Right. Because you are constantly learning. When, Well, as a software engineer, you have to constantly learn in order to be good at your job, in order to progress. Why? Because technology is changing all the time. Uh, or Well, and sometimes the company you work for might want to change the like change software or use it use different programming languages because programming languages there's depending on which one you choose to well to do to solve the problem at hand they both they all have their pros and cons so for instance some are more robust in the sense of you you won't have to deal with typing like type issues so just a br- just brief context there are different data types in um yeah there's there's different data types in com- programming that we all have to grapple with so there's strings which is basically a bunch of characters right there's a num there's numbers which you know say what they say what it says on the tin <laughs> that's what it says on the tin and then there's booleans which is true or false okay. you know and some some programming languages such as javascript you can very easily manipulate those you, you how to explain it you can very easily for instance if a number if what we perceive to be a number mm-hmm. right it that can be passed through as that can be passed through as a string, right? So yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very. I feel like we're in the big gun now. So I wish I had like a whiteboard to show you. So there's like the string number one, and yeah. then there's number one. Okay. And the number one is like a number. Okay. The string is just it's just a character. Doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So you can make it mean anything you want. Yeah. Oh, I, just I, coder. I just became a coder. Where's my no, 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 no. Yes. Yeah. In JavaScript, yes. If you don't specify what data type you want that number one to be, mm-hmm. sometimes JavaScript. <laughs> sometimes JavaScript will be like, oh, okay. So what do you want me to do with this? Oh, okay. So it looks it looks like a number. It is a number, and that can cause bugs. Is that why Java run Java on a computer? Do you know when you can block it or something like that? Because it always crashes or something. <laughs> I don't know. That could be the no, same. No, no, no. J- Java and JavaScript are two different things. It's it's Shabana not that. Said, you are dumb. You are <laughs> dumb. No, 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 no. They're, they're two different. Um, they're two different languages. They're That's what different. they look like. What, what is that girl? Man, get so, out of here, man. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It, it's more when you're coding and you've got to evaluate user input. So if someone is putting in, if you've got, 
a form asking for someone's phone number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They, well, seven. <laughs> <laughs> they're typing in the phone number, right? Yeah. With JavaScript, it can, depending on how you code, it can read that as just a string of characters mm-hmm. or as, as a, a number. Or as a number. Sure, I clocked it. Listen, see when the pieces fell together. Smart. <laughs> I'm kind of lost though. <laughs> okay, an easy example would be a calculator, right? I, I'm coding for a, I'm creating a mini project, a calculator. Yeah. And user puts three, four, mm-hmm. you know, to do three plus four. Uh-huh. Three Jar- plus four is seven. <laughs> two plus two, that's four quick math. <laughs> Sometimes JavaScript would read the three and the four as strings. So instead of doing a mathematical operation, so instead of doing pl- three plus four, mm. which is seven. Oh my god! Oh, oh wow! That was hella slow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had that meme in my head. You know, twenty one. Uh, so I had that meme in my head. Like what's come Twenty one. I had it in my head. So I was like, oh, God. Oh, which is it? Twenty one. Twenty one. But yeah. So sometimes JavaScript can read that as two strings. So instead of adding them together to make seven, sometimes it just joins them together as if it's one word. Mm -hmm. So you get 34. So, But with a number, it's like, oh, that's a number. That's Mm. a number. But that depends on how you you code. You have to to, um, make sure that the code you write can clock that that's a number. So what I'm getting from, from what you're saying then is um, you can't take anything for granted in coding. You mm-hmm. have to be explicit. You have to be very explicit. Which requires a level of attention to, attention to detail. Attention to detail. Which Perhaps I'm st- obsessive. Obsessive. That quality I'm still developing. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Okay. Is coding, especially in, in coding, yes. But, but, but yet here you are with a job. In the yes, field. of course, so, of course. So there's hope. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not so, it's not like, oh my gosh, I'm not an attention to detail person. But in coding, it's next level attention to detail. So that's yeah. what I'm trying to develop. So when you started coding, mm-hmm. did you, like, let me rephrase that question, sorry. At the end of coding, was there some sort of final project what you had to deliver? Yes. Okay. So when you started coding, how far were you from being able to deliver that final project, which you eventually did? Like... <laughs> How much did you grow in the space of those 16 to I grew, weeks? I grew so much. Shout out to Easy Scrum, Easy Go, which was the easy team. Easy Scrum, was Easy Go, yeah. Easy Scrum, Easy Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agile, agile workflows there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> look at Kaman. <laughs> um, but yeah, I came, I came a long way because before, when I was learning Python, I kind of understood what, like, the fundamentals of Python, um, sort of, but I didn't make big projects. Mm. I hadn't done anything with it. I was still in the learning stage. Whereas by the time, well, with the boot camp, I came into the boot camp with that um, rudimentary knowledge of Python, which did help for the first week only. And then the weeks after, it was like, oh my gosh, what the heck? So, but yeah, I definitely came a long way. Um, after, like, not after, but when project month, when we reached project month, I was, I already was able to set up a database online mm. 
What does that mean? So it means that I was able to um, configure and create a space on the internet. So in, you know it as a cloud, but I was able to make a space on that on a cloud platform for to, well to store user data mm. and to run queries on that data. So how is that applicable for people like Rachel and I? What is that? Is that is that Twitter? Is that Instagram? That's Twitter. That's Twitter. Right. That, that's Twitter. That's Instagram. Cool. So you you're basically. What data? Like name, date of birth? Like yeah, what? stuff like that. Name. How about my passwords? Passwords. Your passwords in there. Are passwords, passwords. ever secure? Ah, uh, that's a no. That's a no. That's a no. No, no, no. It, it, it depends. It depends on how well the database was set up. Right. Because you can very easily hack a database to get. Could you hack? I can't hack. But if it's that's poor, what I would say. But if yeah. it's, but if it's, if someone has um, written, um, not written, but if someone has developed a database that's weak in the back that's end. weak in the back end mm. you can it's easy to hack that's crazy so Shabam what was your final project what did you create so my team and I created a what did we create we created a platform called WeShare it was a hypothetical platform so it the idea behind it was people could exchange skills for skills so kind of like uh kavan you know how to play the piano right i could teach you one barely <laughs> barely <laughs> so you know how to play the piano i yeah. know how to cook let's exchange skills she ran i lived with you for a year you can't cook I can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i, I, I can't cook <laughs> he's right <laughs> <laughs> well, I can cook now, but back then it was terrible. I can code. Uh, I can code. <laughs> code so, <laughs> so that was that was our that was our website. So all our website did was it displayed courses to the user. The user could also sign up to our website and enroll. You know, not enroll. Well, I already said enroll in courses. So see courses, enroll in courses. It's like Skillshare. Skillshare, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. Skillshare, yeah, basically Skillshare. You create Skillshare. Skillshare, man. kind of. Yeah. So but you don't pay. <laughs> you leave with what? You finish the school of code, and what do you leave with? I leave with. Reason I ask is because I don't know. I'm assuming I've never applied for a job in this field. Yeah. Right? I'm assuming they are asking for some level of entry criteria, or is it experience they're looking for? That that crucial word again. So with the school of code, they. They have a recruitment phase. Right. So they, for three months, they give you, not like you, not like they give you jobs. Like here's a, here's a job, job for you. You get a job. They for three months. They help you with recruitment. Mm. So they get. So they have partners who you know contribute to running the boot camp. These partners will. Oh, okay. That's how the school of work works. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, these yeah. Pa- these partners will, you know, uh, open up vacancies for us only. Right. That's good. We'd man. apply, and you know, we we get the job or not, and that 
application process is usually shortened for us as well. It's a little fast track. Actually. It's a fast track, yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, so you finished School of Code. Mm-hmm. How many organisations are you applying for before you end up where you are now? And we'll, we'll keep that, that bit quiet, but you know, how <laughs> many do you go to? I lost count. I so it's a lot then, it's a lot. It's a lot, it was but a lot. I think it's a big field, isn't it? Everyone's all right. Yeah. I yeah, I mean, the the partners, so I couldn't, I couldn't apply for um, jobs outside of what the School of Code partners were offering because okay. there's a three months there's a three months um, clause there. Mm. That's how they make their money. Because they get paid by the They get paid by the... Yes. Yeah. yes. What, was, sorry, what was that? So, Shaban, it's like, um, for instance... Uh, In that three months, you can't apply for a job? Yeah. Oh, okay. I can't, I can't apply for a job outside of what jobs they have. Oh, okay. Got yeah. yeah. So you have to wait an extra three, oh, three months in period. As in, I was still applying for jobs within that three-month period, yeah. but it was only jobs that the School of Code okay. were promoting. And did you know this at the start? Yes. So okay. even then, that's a risk of saying, like, if I don't get a job within those three months, you know, I'm up against it. But yeah. then you took that risk. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a big risk, and it was always in the back of my mind. I was always panicking that, you know, what if I you know, don't get a job? Because what do I do now? So compared to other jobs that you've applied for, is the recruitment process for these software engineering roles any different? Yes, yes, different. Did it give you a task? So, yeah, well, some of them did. So um, one company gave me a take-home test. Mm -hmm. So I had about two days to... To Google the answers. (laughs) 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 Kind of, to do a programming test that I could assess my level another one hosted hackathons so oh, sick. a hackathon is basically a, it's usually a day or a, a couple of days where developers come together and they create a, po- a project it's usually quite a cr- creative process it's quite it's quite a creative process anonymous and uh, sometimes you know it's kind of like oh just code what you want and see what you develop in three days others it's like oh uh, we want you to develop a um a website for a a, a weather website that tells people the weather you know, when they Having go on. sick over the last couple of days. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> it's, it's hot. hot. <laughs> yeah. So um, that those t- hackathons tend to, when they are used in the assessment, um, as for assessment purposes, mm. they are not only used to test your skills, but they are also used to test how you work well with other people. And how you tackle problems that are just put on you. So, I always like to piece things together, Shaban. Yes. And that last bit you said to me, I'm just thinking you've got a bundle of experience. And again, we talked about the lack of experience early in this conversation. You know, you've lived in foreign countries working with people who are challenging, to say the least, right? So you've got that experience of working with people who are complete strangers, but getting a good result in the end of it. Yeah. So all that experience, all those risks, all the, yeah, definitely. added up to mean that when you are in that room, yeah. Oh my gosh, she's got something special, <laughs> and that's what I believe happened. Yeah, full circle. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
No, yeah, I would say that all my experiences, especially abroad, helped me get to where I am now. And in terms, not even just where I am, the ability of working with people. Because here's the thing with tech, right? Before there was a focus on skill set. Yes. So um, do you know how? Do you know how to code? Um, well, of course you know how. Of course you do have to know how to code, mm. but it was more focused on you know your proficiency in mm. coding. Mm. Nowadays, because um, software engineering is now more collaborative, you work in teams um, mostly. It's more pe- soft skills, people skills. Yeah. Because the mindset is the company can teach you the skills, the the technical skills that you need, right, to do the job. But they can't teach you soft skills. Yeah. And I was reading up about um, Scrum um, teams, etc. And it was saying that there's three elements. You've got a a product, the product owner, Mm -hmm. uh, a Scrum master, and you've got the the team. And and all three elements manage themselves. So the team Mm -hmm. manages itself. The Scrum master doesn't manage the Scrum team. Mm -hmm. They manage themselves and then obviously report to the Scrum master who reports to the product owner and that sort of thing. So being someone who can excel within a team and navigate that team mm-hmm. is great because there is there are no managers. You are you are uh, all for one and one, one, uh, one for all. Well, within within the team itself, you will have um, senior software engineers that do act like managers. Right. You know, and so it's not. I would say it's it's not totally. A t- it's not that a team is left to their own devices. There's still mm. a level of management there, but you are about that kind of right. <laughs> so, all right, let's um, let's wrap this up, Shabam. Sure. What are your opportunities now versus what could have what could that could they have been, and, and how do you reflect on that? Like you've given yourself so many opportunities. We spoke about wanting that financial security. Yeah. You've opened up that door for that. How did that make you feel? Um. It it was, it it was um, it was emotional to be honest. Mm. I think when, when I look well, when I got the job, right. I was. I was. Happy, I was very happy, but I was also, so so sad. Because I know that. The risk I took, you know, not only, yeah, the risk I took paid off, but I also know that not many people in my financial position would do what you did. Would do what I did, you know? It's almost like a survivor's guilt. Yes, it's survivor's guilt, definitely. Mm. Because my future before embarking, before taking that risk, maybe you know probably I'd have worked I'd have left Tesco and worked like an admin job or something Mm. but you know but I've opened the fact that I opened the door for basically me to earn a lot of money it was just still something that I can't it's hard to conceptualize and I think a couple of things you know, we can't really touch on Shaban's work due to the nature of, of, of that work. It is highly confidential. Mm-hmm. But she's got a great job in a great field where the potentials are in. We can say it's, it's, we can say cyber security, can't we? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah can, right, you yeah. can say cyber security. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll leave it there. 
the one thing I want to touch on as well, and we haven't touched on this at all throughout the whole conversation. Yeah. You know, you are from a low income background. Yeah. But you're also a black woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. What? I forgot about it. You see colour? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Siobhan, Siobhan is a black woman in tech. Now, now, now that is a whole nother layer, a whole nother dimension um, of, of um, your experience. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure you could tell me, what was your experience like as a black woman in tech? Let's keep this one, uh, yeah. My experience. So I haven't had any negative experiences so far. Representation? <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Representation. I, at my job where I work, I've, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like spot where the black person is. Like, where, where y'all at? Yo, yo. Where y'all at? Yeah. <laughs> where you at though? Um, there are people of colour at my work, but diversity is a big issue in tech. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Particularly, you know, Black people, yeah. women, women, black women. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine it's, well, the numbers show it's completely, you know, a, a, a challenge. And again, that's some of the risks you're taking as well, going into yeah. the industry, knowing where you're underrepresented. But that's I, huge. But I also know that, you know, my mentors, Manu um, and Nadim, we're still in contact today, even though I've finished boot camp. They are people of colour in tech. Manu mm. is a... I know Brazil's not a race. <laughs> I know Brazilian is not a race, but yeah. she's 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 brown. Yeah, she's a brown Brazilian. Mm. You look at her and you you don't see a white person yeah. <laughs> basically. And Nadine is obviously well, Asian not obviously brother. Asian, Asian, Asian brother. brother. Come on, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> so you know, I have those two behind me, and I also have another person. Shout out to um, Jay, <laughs> works Shout at the Economist, Jay, a, a, a black man. Big J. Yeah, black man in tech. I'm so proud. That's a big J. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, they have they them two in particular have their own experiences with diversity in, in terms mm. of maneuvering. So. If I do experience any issues, I can turn to them. Do you know what? As well, like, um, I, j- I just think it's really, I- I'm really proud. Like, I can't, I don't want to patronize you at all and say I'm proud of you, but it's, it's hard, man. Like, you, took I mean, you smashed it. I, I wouldn't, I probably, I would never take that risk, risk you did. I-, I sort of want to now, having had this conversation, I sort of want to take that risk. I want to see, I want to test myself, but I don't know. I, d- I don't know if I've got it in me. I don't know. You know, we'll have a conversation after, after, after but, mm-hmm. um, I just think you've really set a great example for anyone who's listening to this, regardless of who they are, but particularly if they're a black woman, to say, yo, like, no, no matter where you are right now, yeah. sometimes take that risk and see what happens. Because if you start with nothing and you finish with nothing, you're exactly where you were. But if you start with nothing and you get 10% of the way, mm-hmm. that's a fantastic rise. And you've done way more than 10%. I think you smashed it. You've smashed open any any of the glass ceilings that were in front of you, given your circumstances. And... Um, Look, I think we just want to express um, our complete gratitude to you for joining us on this podcast. I can't find the right button. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask a quick question. Go ahead, ask yeah, the question, sure. bro. Obviously, the day in the life you're coding, yeah. Uh-huh. For example, I just put a full stop somewhere on your code. Does it mess up the whole? Yes, thing? it does. How long would it take you to find? She it? said that with Vim. Because I know one one little, one force, yeah, little one, slash yeah. or whatever could just it depends. It depends how long the code base, as in the lines of code. If it's if it's um, like a short yeah. code base, I probably could find it. Um, 
it also depends on the amount of sleep I had the Imagine night before. Full stop. You're just it's a full stop. That's, hap- that's happened. Mm. That's happened to before where I've you know missed a comma or something, and I'm just there for three hours. Like, why isn't this code working? Oh, yeah. And then I realize, uh, I just missed, forgot. Comma. I just oh. forgot, or I misspelt something. It's crazy, man. Does that require humility? Because you know, it's, it seems like a very normal thing to like just throw an exclamation mark in there, whatever, right? Yeah. What, if someone else points that out. It must require some of a humility to say, ah, oh, thanks, rather than, yeah, oh, oh, I was going to see it, do you know what I mean, rather than getting... Yeah, it, it, does, it does require humility. I bet it happens every day. Yeah. It, it does happen every day, but when you start off... It happens a, a lot. It, it's kind of like you already have a concept that you're in an imposter. Right. Uh, especially when you're coming from a boot camp where mm. you're learning things at such speed, you know, there's always that doubt in your mind whether you know stuff or not. Mm. So when stuff like that happens where, you know, you, you've misspelled something or you've put a full stop somewhere where it shouldn't be, sometimes it can just feed your that imposter syndrome in you and just be like, oh, I'm an idiot. And again, if we go back to the start of the conversation, the confidence... So over time, you build that resilience. So yeah. you know what? This is what a coder is. I am a coder, and we both have an affinity to James Clear <laughs> and embodying that. Oh, is that guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to be yeah. Embodying you, that identity you, of a coder yeah. is getting things wrong. Yeah, you have to be comfortable with failure because you fail all the time. To- like you will fail constantly developing soft. You know, developing stuff, mm. building stuff. This has been fantastic, man. Yeah, it's been sick. I'm actually really happy for you. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like we've learned a lot. Um, I feel like we've both got a lot of research to do and um, mm. a lot of coding to pursue. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people appreciate coding, man. Nah. We wouldn't have Instagram, we wouldn't have Twitter, Facebook, nothing, YouTube. Nah. I would I would also like to quickly say, I know this podcast is probably five hours long, I do apologise. No, no, apologize I'd like to all. say that if anyone does work in, especially admin jobs, there's ways that you can develop like that you can learn coding to automate your workflow let's get into it how, how can we do that um so <laughs> especially when you're dealing with loads of spreadsheets and stuff there's an excellent book called um and it just slipped my mind one second i can just see it automate the boring stuff it's called automate perfect timing it's, it's called automate the boring stuff um the author, I only remember his first name. His first name is Al. <laughs> if, if you just Google Automate the Boring Stuff, it will come up. It's a yellow book. And that will teach admin workers and other people who are in desktops, who mm. deal with like spreadsheets and stuff, how they can automate their workflow. And... That can either help you with, you know, especially since everyone works from home now, you know, you could probably do a, a process that you usually, that usually takes you a couple of hours and a couple of minutes. So you could just sit there and chill for the rest of the day or you could use, you could still do that and build up your skills coding and use those examples of those examples where you have automated your workflow in tech interviews so for example if someone asks you i'll name you a project you've built Mm. you can turn around and say well i built this which reduced 
my work time by this amount or saved my company amount like a lot of money you know Mm. that is very valuable that experience in itself is very valuable and something to definitely add on your tech cv well let's let's say this there's hope right let's hope yeah that's that's the message in the story there's hope there's hope and, and there is reward when you take risks yeah so please listen to this and and even if you know confidence is a challenge and you feel like you don't belong yeah. in the space bash down those doors anyway and, and seek support because yeah. Shivan really highlighted the power of a mentor yeah so. i would also sorry <laughs> i'd also say that you know i was blessed to go on a boot camp you can teach yourself how to code mm. it is it is possible if you do teach yourself how to code do realize that of course the journey will be more frustrating because you don't you you're kind of doing it on your own but please make sure that you find a support system or like a mentor to help you because that that would be invaluable to your self-taught journey as a software engineer. Ooh. Shaban, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Look, that has been Before Our Friends Die on the Aki and Saltfish Digital Network. If you want to get in touch with us, please do visit Aki and Saltfish on Twitter or Aki and Saltfish on Instagram and at Before Our Friends Die Pod on Instagram. Um, listen, we can be contacted akiandsoulfish at gmail.com. Ask us any questions. Let us know how you're enjoying the show. Please do subscribe to our YouTube channel at Aki and Saltfish Digital Network. But also, please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating if you're listening to this on any podcast platform because it really, really helps us out with the algorithms. A little review wouldn't hurt either. If you want to get in touch with Shaban, what's your LinkedIn? Sheb Saunders. <laughs> yeah, so make sure you follow her on LinkedIn. And also, Shaban, quick question. Yeah. You mentioned a couple books, so let's give those books a quick shout out quickly. So shout out to Learn Python the Hard Way. Yeah. Python Crash Course. Yeah. And Automate the Boring Stuff. Fantastic. And if anyone wants to learn more about the School of Code, where can and you go? School of Code, yeah. Just typing School of Code into Google. Brilliant. And it'll, it'll come up. Yeah, it's a free, free boot camp. Do, do apply if you're interested. Love that. I've been Kabam. I've been Rash. This has been Before Our Friends Die. Until next time. <laughs>